Our passage today comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So I invite you to turn there now, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And uh, if you're able, uh, wherever you are, where did the doing your taxes thing come from, Pastor Michelle? That's... Man, look, if you're, if you're on it and you're knocking, knocking your taxes off out right now in the second week, to, uh, I think, uh, Dad, I think we got a place for them on the dollars and cents team, I think, if, if that's you. Uh, I think you might be called to join that team. Uh, thank you, Jennifer, for commenting. I see you there on Facebook. Okay, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God God in the chat too, you all. Put it in there. From uh, these few verses this morning, I'll preach from the title, Devoted to Jesus Together. Devoted to Jesus Together. Uh, Josh Pyle says it's too too soon for him to start his taxes too, so... uh, (laughs) Uh, thank, th- thank you, uh, Chaplain Michael. I see you there in the chat. Uh, I-, I hear your voice in my head as I come to this text. Um, I like to have things very well organized and planned out. Well, in all of my life, but especially on Sunday mornings, uh, which means that on Saturday evenings, I iron my clothes, I pack my backpack, I have everything just how I like it. I'm not exaggerating. You can ask Maggie. Maggie, tell them, tell them in the chat. Tell them that I'm not lying. I get everything exactly how I like it. I like to be in bed early. I have my whole routine. This way, I can wake up, hit the shower, and be at the ministry center before 6 a.m. so that I can have a couple of quiet hours of preparation before our worship service. That's my routine, and I love it. This morning, everything was going according to plan until 5.38. And I know it was 5.38 because I got in the car, I turned on the ignition, and the clock said 5.38, and I pulled away from the curb and immediately knew that I had a flat tire. So, for the next hour, instead of quietly (laughs) sipping my coffee in the quiet and calm of my study at the ministry center, instead of enjoying the fruits of my organization and my planning, for the next hour, I was mucking around on the wet and icy pavement, because it was icy this morning. I know some of y'all doing your taxes right now. You don't know it was icy, but it's icy out there. Changing a tire that really did not want to come off. The low point... The lowest point this morning came when I I needed to kind of wiggle underneath the car for a second, and I had to do it next to what appeared to be somebody's fresh, but thankfully frozen, vomit. (laughs) 
our plans don't always work out the way we hope they do, do they? Candace says, no, it's true. Last fall, as we prayerfully discerned how God was leading us as a church, we landed on the word together for 2022. So it feels especially strange then to begin 2022 online rather than, you know, together here at Kennecott. And yet despite this, I don't believe we misheard God's plan for us. While being together is going to continue to be unpredictable in the coming weeks, I am more convinced today than ever that this remains our priority for the months ahead. The early church that we read about in these verses faced all sorts of obstacles to being together as the newly reconciled people of God. Cultural differences, natural disasters, religious and political persecution, these were all realities that they had to respond to that were keeping them from living into their new togetherness in Jesus Christ. And yet, even with all of this, in these verses, we find that the early church prioritized being together as a natural expression of their faith in Jesus. Jennifer says, next time I ought to call her husband because he's got a hydraulic jack. I was pretty early on a Sunday morning, Jennifer. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to take advantage of the goodness of your husband's heart. So here's what I've come to believe, church. What I come to believe with my, my whole heart at the beginning of 2022, as I've reflected on this, this new unpredictable year, the gift of being together is not for after the pandemic. The gift of being together is for right now. Amen. For right now. Somebody say right now in the chat and in the building. We don't wait to be together because the source of our togetherness is already here among us. The early church found that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who is the source of our togetherness, was already with them everywhere they went no matter what the circumstances. So there is no situation so unexpected, no circumstance so destabilizing, that their fellowship could be threatened. And the same spirit who held them together is holding us down in 2022 as well. So, so for just a few minutes, I want us to reflect just on one verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Here we find three things that the early church devoted themselves to. Three things which cultivated their togetherness. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to the prayers. Here's the first thing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The apostles' teaching was the oral tradition that was being passed down about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and and Jesus' teaching. 
they did not have the scriptures written down quite yet the way that we do. And so they, they passed down orally Jesus' teaching. These were teachings that were built on the Hebrew scriptures, on, on the Old Testament. Now today, we have the scriptures that we can open up any time, that we can study, that we can turn to, that we can engage with. These are the apostles' teachings that Luke writes about in this passage. And these teachings culminate in the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus, Israel's Messiah, fulfilling all of Israel's vocation, blessing the world. Salvation comes through him. This is the good news of the gospel, and it was such good news that the early church realized it changed absolutely everything. Nothing could stay the same. Nobody could live the same way. None of the old priorities, fears, or anxieties could remain. Everything had to be rethought because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they devoted themselves to this gospel. Now, this wasn't a, a devotion in their hearts. <laughs> This was not a, a private, spiritual devotion. This was visible. This was tangible. They met every day in the temple. I know some of y'all think that we're, you know, uh, we're, we're a lot by saying you should come to, you know, Sunday service and Wednesday Bible study. But, 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 but for the early church, Sharice, they were at the temple every single day. And I know a few of you know what that feels like. They, they, they shared all of their financial resources with one another so that nobody had need in the community. They praised God publicly, even during times of persecution. Their devotion was visible. It was lived. Their whole worlds had been rearranged around the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was not religious obligation. <laughs> this is not something they should do, they were supposed to do, because you don't live this way by obligation. <laughs> if you're motivated by obligation, then when the persecution comes, you're going to find another way to live. They were devoted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was their center. Jesus was their magnet. It pulled them toward one another. What they found was that devotion to the story of Jesus meant that they couldn't be devoted to the other stories that used to run and govern and interpret their lives. The old stories of the empire or other religious expression or cultural priorities. All these other stories had to be reinterpreted and submitted to the story of Jesus. What about us? What about us? Are we devoted to the story of Jesus in the same way? Again, not, not in our hearts. Not in our private piety. But in the way we organize our lives. From the outside looking in, would our friends and neighbors and family members be able to see that we are singularly devoted to the Jesus story? Or would they find that we were looking for ways to slice and dice and reduce the Jesus story to fit alongside of the stories that are actually more important to us? Luke says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. He holds these two together. 
Fellowship in the New Testament is the, the, the new objective reality of our relationship with God and with one another because of the life and death of Jesus Christ. It is the thing that is simply true about us, whether we feel it or not. When we say yes to Jesus in faith, we are now introduced into a relationality with God and with one another. It is our fellowship. It's our new reality. And Luke says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. Jesus is the source of our togetherness, but we always respond to Jesus in fellowship with one another. Jesus is the source of our togetherness, but we always respond to Jesus together out of our fellowship. Because you see, fellowship without Jesus is a, a social arrangement of our own making. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But those social arrangements, those fellowships without Jesus, are always going to conform to our own assumptions, our own expectations. They're always going to reflect the old hierarchies and divisions and segregations of our world. But teaching, being devoted to teaching without fellowship, is, is a form of spiritual gluttony. <laughs> It's about what I can get and, and how I can be fed and, and what I need for, for my walk. You see, you and I need others in our lives who are also devoted to the Jesus story. We are not meant to live into the Jesus story on our own. I would say you and I cannot live the Jesus story on our own. We are surrounded with people, people who we love and who God loves, but who have not given themselves to the Jesus story. And without others who have given themselves to that story, it is really hard to keep our focus on the plot of the Jesus story. So, so, so we are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the beauty of the gospel, together. We do it together. Friends, as we come into this new year, nurture your love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not an obligation. It is not a duty. It is not a should. It is a delight. It is the most beautiful thing in the universe. It is the truest thing in the universe. Nurture your love. Testify to your own heart to the goodness of Jesus in your life. Ask for a friend or a family member to testify to you about how God has been good to you lately. In fact, can I just ask in the chat this morning, would you testify to one another about the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Help somebody else this morning. Nurture their love for the gospel. Tell somebody in the chat this morning, here's what God has done for me. Here's why the Jesus story is the most important story of my life. Nothing is too small. Nothing is, is, is too mundane to encourage somebody else. So, so share it this morning in, in the chat. Encourage somebody. Nurture your love for the gospel. Devote yourself this year to Scripture in community. To the apostles' teaching in community. To the gospel in community. 
Friends, this is why we do Bible study. This is why we did community groups before and why we do Bible study now. Because we don't come to the scriptures on our own. Now, yes, we read the Bible on our own. Yes, we meditate on it on our own. But we come to the scriptures to interpret it, to say, what is God speaking to us? What does God say to his people today? We do that always together. So, so, so I'm going to be real direct here. If you don't have a good reason not to come to Wednesday night Bible study, come to Wednesday night Bible study. Now, I'm going to let you define a good reason. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit help you define a good reason. And there are some good reasons. There are some good reasons. Listen, I lead the, the online small group for the Bible study. There, there are folks in our group who can't come physically for very good reasons having to do with health, distance, uh, children at home. There are folks in our, in our group who have little ones whose bedtime coincides with, you know, or mealtime. And, and you know what? They, they just turn the camera off and they mute themselves. <laughs> and they say, there's chaos happening in our home right now. But I still want to be around the Bible with my sisters and brothers. Still want to get a little bit at least about what God is saying to his people today. So, so, it's not too late to join the Bible study. It's never too late to come to Bible study. And, and, and you know, this week would be a good week, right? Because you, you don't have to go anywhere. You just jump online with us. Now, some of you have good reasons why you can't come on Wednesday night. You're working at that time. You got something else going. We totally 100%, 100% respect that. So who are you going to, to come around Scripture with this year? You know, you, you can invite somebody and say, hey, how about coffee on Saturday mornings on Zoom? How about we, we read through the gospel of Mark together, one chapter a week, and just spend some time reading that and, and telling each other what we're learning from that and what God is doing in our lives and praying for one another. It could be 30 minutes on a Saturday morning. But friends, we need to, to, to cultivate, to nurture, to, to be devoted to the gospel in this way, and we do it together. Secondly, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Look, some of you are testifying in, in the chat right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Those of you who are here are missing out. I don't know. I feel almost better if you're online than if you're here in person. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Super encouraging. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, is Luke talking about Holy Communion or is he talking about potlucks? Uh, the answer is probably both. Because the early church didn't really separate those in the way that we separate those. They, they, they held them together oftentimes. So, so they were probably eating together regularly. That was probably a part of the early church's practice because they understood the power of sharing food and conversation together. And, and this became especially true as the early church became more and more multi-ethnic and multicultural and multi-class. Because now you're dealing with different food laws, and different food traditions, and, and, and whether this kind of food was edible, or whether this kind of food meant you were on the outside. And they were having to bring all of those questions and assumptions, and, and let's be honest, gag refluxes with them to the, to the table, with people who had very different experiences of all the, and they had to vulnerably, tender, tenderly, and, 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 and trustingly navigate that together, figure that out together. If, if any of you have had the chance to travel cross-culturally and visit sisters and brothers who shared your faith in Jesus, but not much of anything else, you understand that tender experience of breaking bread together. Yeah. 
You, you understand the almost holy, sacramental nature of sitting down to a meal where you're looking at the food in front of you saying, I actually don't know what this is. But I'm being served. I'm being welcomed. I'm being invited. I'm being cared for. I am breaking bread with sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ. The early church was experiencing. Now, this is a hard one for us right now. It's hard to, to, to invite people into our homes and share meals with one another right now. So, so let me tell you a couple things that I heard recently. One was there, there was a, a couple in our church who traveled for the holidays and, and they were coming back after being gone for a few weeks. And, and somebody in their small group heard that they'd be coming in. And they said, listen, don't worry about having to go buy groceries or get takeout food. Let us know when you're pulling up. And we're going to bring over a, a fresh home-cooked meal for you to welcome you back home. Now, that's, that's pretty nice, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty good, right? Can't sit down and have long, leisurely meal inside, but, but this was a way of breaking bread together. Before our family uh, traveled west for the holidays, uh, we learned of a family in our church who'd all come down with COVID, and, and they were okay. It wasn't real bad, but they were homebound. They didn't get to travel in the ways they wanted to, and so our family just put together a little care package with some food and some other little things, and we, we walked it over, and we put it on the doorstep, and then we walked way back, and, and, and then we just shared fellowship, for like 15 minutes outside across the sidewalk. And, uh, and it was great for me to get to share that, to walk home and be reminded of my, my connection with these, 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 uh, this family that I love and that I know loves our family. So I think there's still creative ways, amen? Creative ways that we can break bread together even in this season. But probably the passage also has communion in mind as well. Holy communion, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. When we uh, go through our communion liturgy as a church, we, we, we say this, this, these two sentences. We say, is not the bread that we break participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. It's the, uh, the, the kind of sacramental imagery of a, a, a diverse, scattered people who outside of Jesus Christ might not have anything to do with each other, being brought together into one body, by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm going to say this to you, and, 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 and Pete and Pastor Michelle are here, so they, and, and my dad, they can tell you if I'm being truthful or not. Amy, you as well. Our, our, our ministry staff has spent a lot of time talking about how to do communion during the pandemic. I mean... <laughs> A lot of hours, you know, like what's the theological significance of these little pre-packaged, sanitized, individualized, sealed cups of wafers and juice? And, and how, how, what does that mean? Because we're one body and, and how do we get one loaf of bread? And, and we're going back and forth and up and down. And, and I think that that's actually how it should be. I don't think we've spent too much time trying to figure that out. I don't think we've been too thoughtful, too prayerful, because the, 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 the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table is the center for us. It is what holds us together. It is the food and the drink that nourishes our life together in Jesus Christ. So, 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 so we, 
We've got to figure out how do we do this well? How do we honor this well? How do we welcome one another to the table during this time? The breaking of the bread centers on Jesus in the context of our day-to-day community. So who will you eat with in 2022? Who will you break bread with in 2022? Right now, it may look like swinging by somebody's apartment, dropping off some food, hollering at each other from across the way for a few minutes. I hope that's not the case for a long time. But who will you break bread with in 2022? Once we're able to gather again in person, let me urge you to prioritize being here if you are able to, especially on those Sundays where we observe Holy Communion. Friend, we need the body and the blood of Jesus. It is our spiritual food which nourishes not just us individually, but corporately as members of Christ's body. And then finally, we are devoted to the prayers. Y'all still talking back to me in here? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep talking, keep talking. So far, what we've seen is they've been devoted to teaching, but within fellowship, They've been devoted to breaking bread, but within the context of community. And we see the same dynamic when it comes to prayer. Prayer is obviously deeply personal, no question about it. In his book called Contemplative Prayer, Thomas Merton writes this about the desert mothers and fathers. He says, To invoke the name of Christ in one's heart, was equivalent to calling upon him with the deepest and most earnest intensity of faith, manifested by the concentration of one's entire being upon a prayer stripped of all non-essentials and reduced to nothing but the invocation of his name with the simple petition for help. A prayer is always deeply personal, deeply intimate. During Lent last year, some of the, the leaders in our church put together uh, some resources, videos and other resources, inviting us to grow deep, more deeply in this area of prayer. And, and maybe some of you might want to revisit some of those resources this, this year. But prayer is also corporate. Luke says that they were devoted to the prayers. Not just to prayer, but to the prayers. In in the Jewish tradition, people prayed probably three times throughout the day, at at fixed hours throughout the day. It seems that Jesus adopted this uh, practice for himself, as did the early church. This uh, fixed hour prayer gets worked into some of the monastic traditions of different streams of Christianity so that every single day around the world in, 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 in monasteries and convents, people are waking up at midnight for prayer. They're waking up for 3 a.m. prayer called lauds. They're waking up at 6 a.m. for prayers called prime. They're gathering for prayer at 9 a.m. and noon and 3 p.m., vespers at 6 p.m., and compline at 9 p.m. I find that beautiful. I didn't say I did it. (laughs) But friends, I love the idea that all around the world, every day, at these fixed hours, there are women and men persevering in prayer for you and for me, for God's will to be done everywhere. That's encouraging to me. 
Now, our church gathers in different ways for prayer as well. Every single Monday and Friday at 8 a.m. on Zoom and Facebook for about 10 or 15 minutes, we gather, short devotional thought, prayer requests, praise reports, prayer, and then sent into the day. It's not real complicated, Amy, right? It's not real time intensive. It's amazing. It's been amazing. We've been doing this for like almost two years, right? To have watched God answer prayer after prayer after prayer over this time to see and hear praise reports from different people over this time. If you've not done that, if you're able to get on, let me strongly encourage you to join us on Monday. You can be at work. You can, you can have your camera turned off, but, but join us for those 15 minutes. We pray on Sunday mornings. We pray before the service. We pray during the service. We make prayer uh, a, a, a highlight of our small group time during Bible study. Our, our small groups pray for each other throughout the week. If, if, if you're finding yourself unable to, to pray in some of these ways, again, like with the Bible, invite some friends to pray together regularly. Just say, hey, we're going to check in once a week. We're going to pray with each other once a week because this is how the church responds to God. Eugene Peterson says that prayer is responding to God. Because God always says the first word. Whether that's in the person of Jesus, in the revelation of the scriptures, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, God always says the first word. Now that should encourage us. Because there's no pressure on us to say the first word. There's no pressure on us to say just the right thing, to to say it in just the right way. We always respond to God. We listen to God's word, and then we answer in prayer, and we do it together. Let me end here. We don't wait to be together because the source of our togetherness is already here. Teaching and fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Now, are these our New Year's resolutions? No! Pastor Marcel said, no! No, no, no! Why, 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 why? Because it is not our resolve which will carry us through another pandemic year. I don't have it in me. (laughs) It is not our resolve which will carry us through another year. It is our simple and humble devotion to Jesus which will see us through. The one who has already spoken the first word, the one who is already nearer than our very breath. So the invitation is not to try harder, Not to try harder to obey scripture, to try harder to foster community, to try harder to pray. No, 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 no. Like the early church, the invitation is simply to respond to the presence of Jesus, to allow our hearts to be captured again by the gospel, to devote ourselves to our Savior and our Lord. That's the invitation. This devotion has a shape and a pattern, and a history. In faith, we submit to Christ's teaching together. In love, we break bread together. In hope, we answer God in prayer together. Let's not wait to devote ourselves to Jesus for some other day. Jesus is here now present 
in pandemic and in pain, present in unpredictability and uncertainty, present in anger and anxiety. So listen to the testimonies of the New Testament church. Listen to the testimonies today of the persecuted church around the world. Listen to the the testimonies of the saints who went before us, who endured suffering, and yet who stood to the very end, kept by the very presence of their Lord. Let's dedicate ourselves together to Jesus again this year. Devote yourself to the Jesus story honoring it above every other story. Devote yourself to the breaking of bread together, whether that's around kitchen tables or across sidewalks or before Christ's body and blood. Devote yourself to answering God in prayer. Let your voice be added to the praises and the petitions of the community. And let us dedicate ourselves to Jesus with joy. (laughs) knowing that any small act of devotion on our part is simply a reflection of the grace shown to us by the God who long ago and forever has devoted himself to us. Thanks be to God. Spirit of the living God, thank you for keeping your people. Thank you for sustaining your people. Thank you for devoting yourself to your people that we could devote ourselves to you. Spirit, apply now the example of the early church. Show us how we might devote ourselves to the gospel in fellowship, how we might devote ourselves to breaking bread together, how we might devote ourselves to joining your people in prayer. That that in these small acts, we would live into our togetherness as your people. Even now, even today, let us not be content to say one day, to say when this gets figured out, when we've moved past this season, when I'm no longer stuck in this thing, make us discontent with waiting for what you have made available right now. Help us to see the invitation to be near you with our sisters and brothers right now. Let this be our testimony that our Lord is strong and mighty to save today, Uh, that, that our Lord is not a long ways away today, that our Lord is not hard of hearing today, that, that our Lord always answers his promises today, that, that our Lord holds us and keeps us today. Would you allow us together to testify to this truth? In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.